Welcome to episode 606 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 606 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, and you? Pretty good. I noticed there's a bottle. You bought a bottle today. Yes, you've got a bottle of what's, what is it? Lemon. Hold on, just reaching over. Lemon soda. Soda with a twist of lemon, courtesy of Dave Dwan. What's what's all this about? What's, what's the story behind it? <laughs> you got the I'm hey, Dave, I'm happy. You got the raw end of the deal because I got a bottle of Pinot Noir. Oh, <laughs> and, which Dave's just celebrating. He's going to be heading to, gonna over to Kona. Yeah. So, uh, he knows I don't drink alcohol. Yes. So he got me a sparkling... Soda lemon, thank you, Dave Dwan. There you go. Schweppes. They used to do those ads when I was a kid. Remember the one guy dressed up as everyone? Mm. Yeah, I saw mm-hmm. that when I was a kid. And I do like a bit of sparkling duet. There you go. Yeah, so there you go. Thank you, Dave Dwan. When's, when's he off to Hawaii? April. Jeepers, creepers. Okay, I am Talk is proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. Health IQ. It's your insurance company that helps health conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance. Go to healthiq.com slash I am Talk to support the show and to see how you. If you can qualify. And our patrons. Including? Adam, the King Turner. I love this next one. Nate, the Gap Fillers. <laughs> and Andy Puff Phillips. Oh, if you want to become a patron, get a cool nickname on that. Go www.iamtalk.me. Guys, on this week's show, we've got some news. We've got discussion of the week, age group of the week, statistic, website of the week, coach's corner, winger of the week, and questions and answers at the end. We've got a lot happening, Jumbo. We have got a big show. A big show. And the first piece of news we have is that Ironman Ultraman Florida happened over the weekend. What it was the weekend last before weekend. last. It's yeah. just... There is, Got to say, these Ultramans, they are consistent. I will give them that in terms of they're often not the most up-to-date websites and, and not just so streaming that news out there. Yes, consistently inconsistent. There we go. Although I would say um, from memory in Australia, they're pretty good over there. Maybe Canada was a bit better, but Florida, it was pretty hard to find the results and it was pretty hard to find any updates. So I emailed old uh, Brian Hagen. Yep, well, and, he's uh, this week's photo. I said, I need, I need need the results, Brian, and he sent them through because he was over there racing and good on him. Uh, Pete Vabrusik, the gloved man, oh or the no. big man, took it out. I can't. I don't know if he's ever done an Ultraman, but it ended up being very close. But I reckon he's strategic and he had it all under control. So, Oh, you think? Yep. He only ended up winning by four minutes, so his swim time was two hours and 49 minutes for the, oh, I can't read that, is it? it's a 6.2 mile swim, and then like they do in Hawaii, then they jump on the bike, and they did, uh, it looks like 93 miles on the bike, he rode a 3.54, and then that's the end of day one. Day two, they do the big Uber bike ride, uh, he rode 7.48, where he just cleaned everybody out by about you know 30 minutes over the next athlete, and flipping ages back to, to others and then day three is the double marathon and he ran a 7.40.28 so he took it out in 22 hours and 13 minutes second place Ivan Albano uh, he was four minutes down and third place Kevin Wright who ran a 6.57 for 23 hours 50, uh, 43 minutes and I believe, this is not official, but I think that might have been a new run course record. Old John Duda uh-huh. was sending that through, saying he thinks he set a run course record. So 357 is pretty solid. That's, you know, for, sub, for, for a double marathon, so you're going sub 330s 
for for two marathons back to back after yep, doing doing all that. That's yeah. that's solid running. Would say a bit of controversy. Second place there has tested positive and been banned before for EPO. So they weren't quite sure how to handle that uh, case. But once you've served your time, yeah, maybe he's done his time. You're allowed to to carry on racing. Uh, on the female side of things, Jamie Harris took out the race. She swam three hours and one minutes. She rode seven forty. Uh, rode four forty two on day one. Then rode. Uh, nine hours and eight minutes on day two and came home with an 8.44 for 25 hours, 36 minutes. Second place was Cynthia Burtis and third place was Michelle Williamson. Reasonable size field in terms of Ultraman, how it goes. Yeah, they had 35 finishes, which is uh, quite a high rate, I would have thought. Brian Hagen was down there in 20th place. Nice work, Brian. Love your work. Pete Fabrusic, John, has done 187 IMEs. <laughs> really? 187. 87 Ironman. And let's be honest, most of those you've probably got a top 10. Yeah. You know, like he's not like he's not like the, the guy who's done a lot of Ironman but kind of does 15 hours every time. Mm. He's, he's racing. He's racing. Because mm. he was, he's, he's we, when this first show first started over 10 years ago, we used to talk about Pete and he would believe every week he'd be on the show, wasn't he? Mm-hmm, Just mm-hmm. racing some of a race. And he'd always kind of get fifth, sixth. He has won, I think he won one or two, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah in terms of Ironmans, but he's definitely won plenty of races. Jeepers, still going. How old is he? 44. 44. Yeah. Good on him. You, you're surprised by that? I thought he might have been a bit older. Yeah. But that's awesome. Yeah. And Controversy. He made you some money, didn't he? He did. I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Because you did challenge Wanaka the first year, and you got fourth overall, did you? I did. But then someone wore some gloves in the water. He did. And we called him the glove man for a long time, didn't we? Because he uh, he was standing on the side of the road early in the run, and I ran past him and didn't really think too much of it. And then a little bit later on, he came past me. He was moving, and I was going pretty well. I, I was running pretty much three-hour marathon pace, if not quicker at that stage. He came past me. He was on fire. It was just steaming, so impressive. It's good on him. Yep. So there you go. So the Peter Verusa, Czech champion, thirteen yes. times, thirteen times Ironman champion, distant champion in the Czech Republic. There you go. So there you go, Peter Verusa. Okay. So we also had big weekend coming up in New Zealand. Big weekend, and it's very interesting when we look at the seeding for this year because it's very much a, a Kiwi field. It is, but a very strong field. Yeah. So it kind of shows we've got a bit of depth in our game again. Oh, absolutely. Very strong depth. This field, anywhere in the world, you'd be going, that's a solid field. I mean, we're a bit biased because we're in New Zealand, but it's uh, it's impressive. Or at least on the men's. Yeah, on the men's side of things. And yeah, we've got depth. Like, out of the top seven or eight, you know, seeded athletes, which are all pretty much Kiwis with uh, Joe Skipper and um, Cyril Vineau thrown in there, you know, they could win pretty much any Ironman around the world, within reason. You yeah, know, they're not, not a championship, they're not, some of them. but They're, they're not necessarily um, top three Kona athletes. Uh, well, Terenzo certainly and Braden Curry's got the potential, but they haven't proven themselves over there. Um, but, you know, any regular Ironman around the world, uh, you know. This well, is let's name awesome them. So you've got Mike Phillips, who's ranked uh, on Torsten's ratings as number one. He's only done two Iron Distance races, so he th- did a sub-eight-hour performance in his first one in Ironman Barcelona and also got second, a fairly close second behind um, uh, Dougal Allen last year at Challenge Wanaka, so very good record and been consistent on the podium around the world at 70.3s as well as winning some. Then you've got Terenzo Bazzoni, who we all know is just a bit of a rock star. Uh, Braden Curry, who won the race last year in quite a dominant fashion in the end. Cam Brown, which you, you probably wouldn't pick him nowadays, but you wouldn't write him off also. You'd pick him for the podium, yeah. 
I think it's a bit of if those others firing up, they're just a bit younger. Uh, but uh, the ratings on Torsten's ratings has all those three athletes coming in in one hour fourteen. Uh, so the ratings have these guys very quick. And Joe Skipper is our international guest, and he's rated to come in at eight fifteen. Uh, so close. Cyril Vinot from France. He's um, Torsten's got him coming in at eight eighteen. So I think it was. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, he took a flyer off the bike and had a big lead and you're thinking, this guy's got the pedigree, he's been uh, ranked high in Kona, yeah. he's won races before, um, but he just lost it, he just cramped up and uh, all of a sudden he went from first to just about nowhere very, very quickly. Well, and it shows because his expected run is a 2.47, so it shows he can run. Mm. We've got Callum Mulward, we've got Dougal Allen, we've got uh, Jan Van Verkel. We've got Dylan McNeese. Dylan McNeese. Chris McDonald. Yeah. We haven't heard in a while, hasn't it? Yeah, no, yeah. he's still plugging away. Yeah. So it's a it's a very strong field. So, yeah, it won't get a lot of international coverage because it is very much a Kiwi-dominated field. But Which those are athletes. Top three. I would go, you, uh, you've got to go either Braden, Curry, or Terenzo Bozzoni for, for the win, I kind of think. Um, I'm going to go Braden. Yeah, prop, prop, Just probably. because he, he won it last year. Mm-hmm. Although Terenzo hasn't cracked this one. Mm. And no, he wants to, but I th- maybe this is the one where he always takes a risk because he tries because he seems to kind of always cock up this race, doesn't he? Yeah, he's had to, he's been on the podium before, but it's been quite a distant podium. Yeah. So he always seems to go a bit hard on the bike in this race. He seems to be just getting that consistency now, though. So yeah, true. Yeah. <clears throat> I think uh, I think it'll be between those two if they fire up, and I'll go for uh, Mike Phillips third place. Just go Kiwi trifecta. Your side of the race. Gilsa race, not as strong, but still should be a pretty awesome race between first and second because I was so impressed with Jocelyn McCauley's performance here last year and she is rated number one on Torsten's ratings and uh, she's predicted to come in a 9.04 and then you've got Laura Siddle who is just, she is just constantly improving uh, yeah. and she's, if she can really nail that run, uh, she's going to have to have a decent lead coming off the bike um, over Jocelyn because she is an axe runner, um, but yeah, it could be a really close race between those two then it'll be uh, probably be daylight for, for for third place to be honest. Um, you know you've got you've got about 15, 14, 15 athletes there, but um, those two are head and shoulders above everybody else. Just if we go back to the men's race, or anything else you want to add about the female race? No. How's it going to play out? Because you got like you got like a Joe Skipper there who's an ex cyclist, but it's on the swim. You know. How do you kind of see this playing out based on strengths? Well, it's going to be, that's that's Cam's problem, Cam Brown's problem. It's uh, Dougal Allen's problem, and also um, Joe Skipper's issue. They're all going to be down after the bike, so it's likely you're going to see after the swim. You mean. After the swim, yep. sorry, you're going to see um, Dylan leading the swim. And whether or not anybody can keep up with him or not, uh, they did in, in Challenge Monica. Whether they can do that up here as well. But the next group of swimmers will be Mike Phillips and Braden Curry, and probably Terenzo Bazzoni. Uh, then, then you might have Cyril Vanot drifting off the back there. Cam Brown does not seem to be swimming that well any longer, so he may even come come out with Joe Skipper and uh, Dougal Allen, which might mean he's got to ride a bit harder. I think Dougal Allen will be further back from those guys, but. Um, it may all come together on the bike, but those guys up front are going to have a decent time mm. where they, they're going to be able to settle into their pace. But you'd um, say the stronger bikers are Dougal Allen and Joe Skipper. Mm, mm. And, that, and that they may well come through like they did in Wanaka, but how much effort they've got to put in to come yeah. through is, is a big question. So, yeah, I, wouldn't, I would not be at all surprised at about 90k for it all to come together and then uh, the big bikers to probably lay some smack down. Um, but you kind of think that the the... The fully rounded athletes, so you know the likes of Braden, Terenzo, Mike Phillips. Um, again, I reckon those are the ones that have come to the fore. 
Good times. Rock and roll. It looks exciting, la- la- isn't it? Last year, um, Braden Curry took it out in eight hours, 20 minutes. Uh, Cameron Brown was second, and Cyril Veneau was third. So it must have been the year before that Cyril Veneau completely blew up on the... Um, Blew up on the bike, uh, on the run. Uh, Jocelyn McCauley took it out last year, and she was 12 minutes in front of La- uh, Laura Siddle, and uh, Meredith Kessler was back in third place. What's happening with Meredith Kessler? She had a baby. Oh, well, mm. there you go. You, you so it, was, it was the year of the baby last year. It's the year of the dog this year. In, fem- in Triathlon World last year, it was the year of the pro baby. They were coming out everywhere. Coming out everywhere. They're popping out everywhere. Someone I haven't heard from in a while was um, Miranda Caffrey. You interviewed her a little while ago. Yeah, that was before Kona, but mm. we haven't really seen her on the kind of on the start line yet. No, mm. not not that maybe she's taking more time, you know. But just interesting that we haven't. Um, okay, John. Other news: there now seems to be a new path to the Super League with qualification races happening in Portland and Penticton. Plus, Poland, venue. not Portland. Oh, sorry, Poland, Poland, Poland and Penticton, uh, plus one other venue. So I, this is good because the first couple of Super League races we had, it was kind of invite invite only, and you're like you're scratching your head, going, "Why are they there?" And somebody else is, and then maybe the other people didn't want to didn't want to go, which is you know people like Flora Duffy, and I think she wasn't there on the females race. I'm sure she would have been invited, but you're like going, "Well, if I'm an up and coming pro and I'm kicking some butt." What's the pathway to actually get in, into this uh, series? Especially if it's good money. Yeah. yeah. Um, otherwise, it's just if you're not on the in, the inner circle, how do you how do you get in? So it's good. They're going to have qualifying races, as Bevan said, in Poland and in Penticton. Plus, they're going to be adding in one other um, venue at those races. There'll be three to four slots up for grabs for both genders, and then they'll go on to the the championship races, which they haven't you know, they've announced the one in Jersey. Uh, whether or not I haven't seen anything or heard anything about Hamilton Island that's not saying it's not happening I just haven't seen any press releases so, wait, about so they're it. having Super League races in Poland Penticton and some other qualifiers place. and so to get in the championship races you have to do a qualifier or is a qualifier does a championship race still have a level of invite um, these are questions I don't know the answer <laughs> to Bevan it's I just I, I think I don't, don't know don't know because the thing about Super League was it seemed as though they had to slot them in when they could get the athletes. Mm, absolutely. So if you're going to have qualifiers, does it dilute it a little bit? Uh, well, th- I think you'll find with the people at that level, they may not be doing potentially, well, they'll probably still be doing the World Championship races, uh, World Championship Series. So I guess it's th- they're basically given a pathway. If you want to get to Super League, this is how you do it. And uh, if you don't want to qualify, then they'll probably just extend their invite list for people that, that don't qualify. Mm. So I think it's it's better than just having those random athletes. Last year we saw a few random ones where young guys. You, you had some young guys or you had the, the local hopes. Remember we had Dan Holtzworth, and that's not taking anything away from him. He was a bloody good Ironman athlete. Uh, but you had the Ironman athletes, and then you're going, well, it's, they're just going to get completely smoked, and they did. Yep. Uh, whereas this gives the, the up-and-coming athletes a, a way to get in. So I think it's good. Okay, so just some more news on Wanderers trying to sell off their assets. So one of our listeners who did like not want to be named, so I'm not going to name oh, them. Oh, really? Yeah, they said, please don't name me. <laughs> um, they sent through, I think it was a Financial Times report. It was, yes. Yeah, and about Wander and what's really happening. And so basically the kind of premise is, is that it started off as a real estate investment company and mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Wong, I think it is, it was the, 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 he was actually the richest man in China mm-hmm. and he's now dropped down to five. So things aren't going so well right now. And um, they basically big real estate company and then just started going overseas and buying big kind of big assets you know really kind of 
top end kind of offshore trophy assets is what mm. they call it. Uh, spent over $22 billion in borrowing mm. by net. But it seems like their debt levels are extremely high and the banks are kind of saying, hey, back it up, mate, back it up. So I think they're starting to offload a lot of that debt and, and they're kind of saying they're going back to being just a bit more of a, a real estate investment, going back to their old strategy. Core competencies. <laughs> Core competencies, Sean. That's business speak 101. Mm. Uh, and so the whole idea is that now they are trying to offload and obviously it looks like WTC or Ironman will be one of those things that gets offloaded. So it's really interesting if they do offload it, we'll be able to see where it goes because it's a pretty niche market, isn't it? It is, but have we seen much of a change since it transferred from the private equity, equity. company into to Wanda? I would say, yes, there's been a little bit of a change in terms of there has been a bit more focus on Asia, but I kind of think they would have headed in that direction anyway. There was more races yeah, in that's China. the question is the change that is different than what we would have seen if they hadn't this no, I don't think so because Asia is the growth market for, for triathlon irrespective of who the own, owners are. Were uh, they buying marathons before the change? Not. Uh, yeah, they, were, they were investing in other events. Okay. Yeah, they were. But they've, they've done more more yeah. of that. Uh, again, whether or not they would have done that, I don't know. So I think for us grassroots, not grassroots, but us participants, somebody's going to buy this business. Surely it's surely it's making money. They paid $600 million, didn't they? Mm, I think so. That was the number I seem to recall. So some listener out there, come on. Give get us out a your cut. wallet. Give us a cut. Get out your wallet. Buy it. And we'll, we'll, we'll promote Ironman for you. Give we'll, us a cut. We'll do a podcast. <laughs> 600 million. But love to see the figures. And that's what someone was saying a while ago was that it may become a publicly traded company. And that's where it's really interesting for us because then we can actually see the figures behind the scenes mm. because that's public document documents from there. So interesting times ahead with what's happening with Ironman ownership at least. John's. ITU update. Oh, it's exciting times this week. Oh, John, what's happening? The World Triathlon Series is kicking <laughs> off. And so first round is in Abu Dhabi. Now this year it is a sprint distance race, which I think is a good move. Last year it was uh, Olympic distance. Uh, we did have some good racing there. Good old our friend Javier Gomez, uh, who when I asked him the question last week on the sh- on the post Wanaka, you know, why did you keep going down the ITU path? You know, he very much said, because I like racing ITU distance, <laughs> and I didn't didn't want to finish with a with a broken elbow, so he wanted to go off there. He won this race last year in a fantastic race against Tom Bishop, the British young British fella who the tats all over his arms. Was this the race that did in the circuit? Yes, they partially race. go around the circuit. Yeah, okay, yeah. And they did a really good job of it in terms of constructing, putting cones all over the place so it wasn't just a drag race down these boring big straights. And it did actually help to make the bike uh, a hell of a lot more interesting. That being said, I think the fact they've moved to a sprint distance um, this year is is a good idea. Uh, first race of the season, everybody's probably still feeling a little bit, la- a little bit rusty. Uh, and the nature of that course is... Once things do split up early on the bike ride, they probably um, there's not hills and stuff to really spice things up. So I think it's a uh, I think it's a good move. Um, on the the interesting thing for me is uh, we have both Brownleys on the start list. Oh wow! So I was like, well, to, to back that one up, I didn't see that coming in terms back of Alistair Brownlee racing, but he is because I know I, I know his name is down on the. The Great Britain team for the Commonwealth Games, I think he's more focusing on the mixed relay than the actual Olympic distance race. Uh, so, yeah, very interesting to see his name on the list. I am just checking to make sure it's still on the list. It was there when I did this last week, but it actually now appears it's not there. So oh, okay. take that news back. Jonathan Brownlee's on the list. Alistair Brownlee's not. Oh, I was excited about that. Well, if, if there was one athlete 
that could potentially do it where he could still be competitive, it would be Alistair Brownlee. Maybe not so much over the sprint distance, but over Olympic. I, if this had been Olympic, I'd still be thinking he would be one of the men to beat. But the cool thing about ITU stuff is you get the best athletes turning up at every race. It's fantastic. So you've yep. got Mario Mola, you've got Christian Blumenfeld, you've got uh, Murray, you've got Laza, Brownlee, Bishop, Vincent Louis. Uh, they're all there. If Jake Birkwistle, Vincent Hernandez, Henry Schumann, Aaron Royal. It's just awesome that they have a series where everybody rocks up for not every single race, but most of the races each year. Girl side of things? Girl side of things. Last year, it was an epic finish with Andrea Hewitt taking it out. She looked like she was gone for all money, but she just found this extra gear and managed to sprint around the side of, I think it was Jodie Stimpson, and took it in just a wicked, wicked finish. And uh, the best post-race speech that Andrea's ever done. Uh, very emotional, and uh, she really opened up, so that was cool. If Flora Duffy's on the same form that she was last year, she's just going to decimate everybody so we'll just kind of see what happens there but again great females field Ashley Gentle who, who finished last season very strongly second seed Katie Zaveris who smoked the the Super League Kirsten Casper Andrea Hewitt Jess Learmouth um, Rachel Klammer Summer Cook so all the good girls are there yeah. it's going to be awesome it is cool that they, they can have just all the best athletes at every race mm. you know it makes such a difference doesn't it and why are they there because <laughs> the money's great and well, also the Olympics. Olympics, but also they get money from their federations. Uh, so they've got it sorted. Tommy's my, Tommy's excited about watching it. When's it going to be on? It's it's, it's going to be, we have to watch the delayed coverage on uh, the, whatever morning, the next morning, because it's at about 10.30 at night over here. But I would urge you, if you're in the middle of winter and you're struggling for some motivation, or want, you, you've gone through every bloody clip on YouTube <laughs> and you need something else to watch, it's only twenty four ninety nine, I think, euros to get on the triathlon live. And that gives you coverage. all the races for the year. Gives you all the races for the year, plus every single World Cup. Uh, they they do sort of magazine shows for the second tier races, yep. the World Cups. Um, but then it's just got the backlog of every race last season. Every since they started doing TV coverage, it's they've, they've got it all. Uh, unfortunately, you can't get that in New Zealand because Sky have got the rights all sewn up. But uh, most countries around the world, what I have think, you got like a, a VPN. Yeah, you could do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I would Not that Bevan said that. Breaking the law? Yeah. Is it breaking the law having a VPN? Don't know. Can't be. Tunnel beer. That's where you go, John. Although Tunnel beer, I use Tunnel beer when you could get American Netflix. It was more expensive than Netflix. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sucks. So, anyway, this week's discussion, John, this week's discussion is... Uh, we were thinking about the best comebacks in the history of sport. This can be a comeback from an injury or an amazing comeback in a race. If you can think of a great comeback, let us know. Are you ready to go? You go first, John. Yep, lots of good comments yeah. here. Um, ben Cobra was saying the Bevan Doherty sprint. And if you if, do go onto our Facebook page, if you haven't seen this, we've talked about it before. It's a sprint distance uh, sprint finish at the New Plymouth World Cup one year. And uh, it's just epic. It's a, it's a short clip and... It's good stuff. Yeah, that was, and someone's put the I think a bit of Eminem, isn't it? Yes, a bit of pump of music, boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, national party as well. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom. Uh, Arnold uh, Solikoff has got Mark Allen and Kona in '85 catching up Hal Regal, and then of course Rennie running her asses off to catch up Reef. '85 that that comes. No, sorry, '95. Like, I got that. '95. I was going to say '95. Um, and the comeback we still never heard about from PJ. Mm. Uh, that comeback by Mark Allen was so tell the was story epic. because some people won't know this story 
I, I mean, I haven't watched that kind of coverage for, I don't know if I've ever watched it, but Hell Eagle had this just gigantic lead. Can't remember exactly how much it was, but it was it was one of those sort of fifteen minute leads yeah, like over Mark Allen, and uh, and Hell was not running like a bloody slug, and Mark Allen just had to run a. 240 something low 240 I'd imagine to, to bridge the gap and, I, and I, if I recall right he didn't catch him until relatively late in the piece so it was an epic bi- solo bike ride off the front it wasn't one of these group rides like like we cut sometimes see this day it was very much like in, in the ilk of Norman Stadler just going off the front and just going nuts what's really interesting John I've just put a bit of research while you're kind of doing that um, Mark Cullen 13 minutes behind Harry Eagle off the bike mm. Yeah, and I, and I think Hal Regal still ran like a three o something. Really? Yeah. Well, what's interesting? Ninety five must have been one of the best years ever. Why is that, Bevan? Well, you had that happening. Fascinating mm. race. Pulling Newby Fraser. Mm-hmm. Cracked. Mm. That's the year she cracked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So pretty interesting year that year. Did you do a couple there, and I'll get the splits up here. I've got them somewhere here, Bevan. Okay, so you do a couple. Okay, James Thomas, the Red Rocket, he's got a Rennie's 2014 win in Kona. Puts a lump in my throat and a tear to my eye every time I see it. Chrissy's win in 2011 after the bike crash a few days early. That was impressive. We were there we were for both of those, and they were both bloody impressive because Chrissy was an axe, wasn't she? She was indeed. I've got to say that that's she was really <laughs> beaten up. She could only even turn her arm over, eh? And to be able to still beat the best in the world when you're that beaten up is crazy. So just back to Thomas Hellrig, um he ran a two fifty eight. Wow. So he rode uh swam fifty five, so he's a long way down out of the swim. He rode four twenty nine and then ran a two fifty eight. So what did Mark Allen do? He swam 51, he rode 4.46, and that's pretty consistent with what the other guys in the top 10 did. They all sort of were riding in the mid-4.40s, except for Jürgen Zak, he rode 4.40 as um, well. And then he ran a 2.42 for an 8-hour 20.34. So how much did he end up winning by? Uh, about 2 minutes 20. And you kind of think, so he, wouldn't have, he would have only passed him in the last yeah. 5k or so, I would have, I would have guessed. Wow. And yeah, that year, that year was uh, Karen Smyers came through and uh, took the win. And for those who don't know the Paula story, fascinating. So Paula won it eight times since you? Mm. <coughs> dominant, dominant. And was how far from the finish line? She was on a leaky drive. Yeah, I think literally 300 metres. Yeah, she, was, she was not in the finishing shoot. But, but because it wasn't far from the finishing shoot, hey? She'd made that turn off, and I think it was probably just... There was a straight road to yeah, the finish, yeah. She was just before the big tree, I think. Yeah, so probably cup 200 metres max. Mm. Just cracked. Mm. Couldn't finish. She, she did finish it, didn't she? She did, yeah. No, but it she, took like she, half an hour to... She finished in fourth place. Yeah, so she, she basically was on the side of the road for a good probably 20 minutes. Yeah. Composing yeah. herself, just couldn't do 200 metres. Well, she rode a 5.06 and all the other girls were riding about 5.17, so she probably had about a 10-minute lead uh, going... What was her strength? Oh, she was just all round. Was she? Yeah. Yeah. She Very strong like interviews because I'd love to get her on Legends, but... It's because they still work for Iron Man and stuff. Yeah, but partly. What, what does that matter? We've had other people with for Ironman. It's true. Yeah, come on, come on. Just talk to us. Just for legends. That's all we want. Brian LaFeur's got Simon Whitfield, 2008 Belgian, Belgium, sorry. Uh, what is, what is, Beijing. Beijing. Why am I getting that one wrong? For silver. Was distant for fourth with 400 metres or so to go and came back and lay down the hammer only to get caught by Jan right at the end. Tell us that one. I've got, to, I've got to find that footage again of the 2004 Olympics. Cause 2008? 2008. It was a pretty amazing finish. They kind of went, the finish, you'd run down, you're on the blue carpet, but you ran down and you ran around the sort of pot of flowers about 
I don't know, 150 metres from the finish, and then you turned and you ran straight to the uh, to the finish line. And coming into there, it was it was a it was a four four or five way battle, and Gomez was the one who had um, who had dropped off the the back, and you just didn't know where they were all sort of blowing left, left right, and centre. And oh, Bevan's even got the coverage. Wait a second. Uh, it was it was a very interesting finish, and it was a good. Yeah. Oh, okay, here we go. go. So we're, yep. we're, I'm going. It's about a minute to go. So you got Jan, Jan Fredino, Gomez. Is that who's third? Was it Doherty? Doherty, uh, yes, Doherty. Yeah, yeah, so Gomez was there actually. They're going around the flowers. And Whitfield's, and Whitfield's probably off what, the back. Twenty meters, thirty meters back. And they're going into the sprint finish now. And uh, shit, yeah, that's impressive. Him. If he comes going back. for it, and then we can see Whitfield coming through from behind, and he's actually hit the lead. And then Doherty's uh, blown. He's, he's just going hanging for third. And then uh, and then here comes Fredino and takes oh, takes him with wow. what fifty meters to go. Big strides. Whitfield hangs, get, get, throws in the towel. It's just a lot of crack moments, wasn't second. it? Yeah, he's spreading. They yeah, kind of cut the, they cut the footage here when they went around the corner, unfortunately. So you didn't really get to see him do that last bit, but. Jan's looking pretty happy. Richard Swan also says Hamish Carter for a very public disaster in 2000 Olympics coming back to destroy everyone by Bevan Doherty in the 2004 Olympics. So the story there was Hamish Carter was he was one of the favourites, very strong favourite going into 2000 Olympics, finished nowhere like 20, yeah. 20th or 30th or like maybe even further back and uh, was, was, yeah, just came back in 2004, different attitude. Just sort of went out there and did the business. Got to say, jo- jo- um, uh, Joanne Baxis has got coming back from of Starkowitz and after a horrible bike crash, and also Tim Dom, Matt, Matt Russell, John McLean deserves a mention as well as Lauren Parker. Yanford, um, Toby Schnell, Yanfredino's triumphant victory via dojo domination in Kona twenty eight no, twenty eighteen. You'll read it here first. Okay. Predicting. Uh, Rob Cummings, and this is a good one. Dave Scott coming back at 42 to place second in Kona. And, and that was at a time when, you know, nowadays science, you know, like, how old was Crowe when he won? He was 38, wasn't he? That's what he established a couple of weeks ago. He was the oldest winner. Mm-hmm. You know, now, back in nowadays, you know, Crowe at 38, you're not that surprised by. Mm-hmm. But back in the 80s, or back in, you know, that was early 90s. What year were you talking there? Uh, it hasn't got the year here. Dave's got, I think it was 92, wasn't it? I, I do remember. It was a very impressive comeback. I'm just scrolling. Yep, yeah, uh, 1994. Okay. Dave Scott came back and he finished in second place behind Greg Welsh and he was only four minutes back. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Because now, 42, like look at Cam Brown now. 40, he'd be 43, 44? I think he'd be 44, I reckon. Okay, so, you know, nowadays we have a greater understanding of the science, of nutrition, of how to look after the body. Back in 94, mm. it was, you know, they're still kind of just based science. You know, there's a bloody impressive result. Because a, a couple of years before, he did another comeback somewhere and he was miles behind off the, bar, the bike and then he came back and had a very solid run. There we go. 1996, he came back again after that second place a couple of years earlier and had a horrific bike ride, rode 4.49 and came back with a 2.42 to run himself into fifth place. So this one is 44. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well that, which really makes it impressive. Like we're, we're, we're pretty impressed with Cam Brown right now. Mm. Still being competitive, but he's no way he's pulling off the top five. No. You know, that's pretty impressive. Now, I know it's different times, but still. Um, Mark Adrian Hernandez has got Chrissy Wellington's win in 2008 when she came back despite losing 10 minutes from a puncture on a bike. And who was the girl who gave her the... Remember it was um lovely Australian girl. Gave him... 
gave her her, her, her gas bottle, gas thing. For oh, Rebecca Keat, maybe? Yeah, Rebecca, yeah, it was Rebecca Keat. Good work. Mm. Uh, and that was John. Um, James Cameron said he's been following Tim Don's comeback, and that's really where this whole topic stemmed from, was looking at Tim Don and Matt Russell and seeing uh, what they can do. Um uh, Michael Taylor says, mm. depends on what t- sort of comeback you're looking for, the Mark Herriman story is pretty special. Sixth place in Kona in 2001, then a horrendous accident in 2002 left him paralysed. He then came back that same year to participate in a wheelchair through to 2006 when he became the first athlete in that division to finish the race. I could show you a clip on YouTube that's very funny about this, but I'm not going to do it because I'm trying to be very PC, John. Good. I'll show you after the show. Um, one that I thought might have got mentioned here, but it didn't, uh, was Camilla Peterson. Now, she was a Dutch, uh, not Dutch, a Danish athlete, and she got, you know, in the similar vein to, to Tim Don and... Um, and Matt Russell, she got smoked in a really bad accident, and she was in a coma for one month. Oh, really? Uh, and this, Who was this? Uh, this was back in t- 2013, uh, and then so she endured a, a training accident on her bike that required her to be induced coma for a month, with doctors da- um, doubting the eventual outcome. But with a bit, uh, abdominal will, uh, Peterson defied the odds and made a full recovery. And then she went on and won the world ITU long distance champs the following year in 2014 in China. Wow, that's impressive. Isn't and it? she seems to be still racing, not doing heaps of racing, but last season she won the uh, Laguna Triathlon, the Chia Laguna Triathlon in Sardinia. Uh, she finished first in a challenge race in Denmark, uh, first in another race in uh, Denmark, and second in a 70.3. The year before, she finished third in Cozumel, um, 11th in Kona, and second in a 70.3. So it seems like she might be what dialing down the racing a little bit. Maybe not, um, but yeah, that's a pretty bloody impressive comeback from being in a coma for a month. Wow, that, that, that's really impressive. Any others we can think of? Like we've got most of the main ones, haven't we? Um, yeah, I'm just intrigued to see oh, how... Blazeman? Was it Blazeman? Who was the guy who was... The he had ALS. No, who was the guy who was a pro, who got injured... And then came back and did as an um, a disabled athlete. Remember when we were kind of in it? He was like a, I think he got like fifth or sixth as a pro. Mm-hmm. Had a really serious car accident, or I think he was hit by a truck or something. And then came back and won the the wheel, wheelchair. Not thinking Mark Herrimans. Maybe. Yeah. Have we have we mentioned him? Yep. Oh, okay. Um, any others? Not off the top of my head, I think people did a good job covering covering those ones, and we've got a few more. Matt Trotman was also mentioned on there. He's he's made a comeback from a really serious. Oh, what is he? What about Ken Glar? Ken Glar and and I'm in New Zealand, and who was the guy who sprinted down right across the finish Dirk, line? Dirk Ashmanite. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was a comeback. That was just a close race. Oh, was it? Was yeah. it not a comeback? Oh, no, it was an awesome sprint finish. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, those are all the comebacks in our history. <laughs> uh, this week's discussion, John, we're talking about who is the best athlete or athletes, or who are the best athletes not to win Kona. Tell us what else they did in, in their career as well. To justify so. why you think they're of that level. Mm. Mm. This is always a great discussion, this one. Mm. Who are the best athletes not to win Kona? John, sponsor. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. My family's coming down with sickness. Felicity was off school yesterday. Uh, Thomas had a sniffly nose. Uh, yesterday I went, oh, I don't know if I'm feeling so great. Belinda said, I don't know if I'm feeling so great either, but I popped some immune boosts last night. Oh, oh. someone's ringing. Go away. Go away. <laughs> Go away. 
Um, <laughs> don't worry if it's any of my athletes. It's not. Uh, it's not you. It's just a random Christchurch number. Mm. Um, so I'll just put that on there. And so what was I saying? Yeah. So the whole family's coming down with sickness. Started popping the immune boost. Seem to be feeling fine. So if you want to keep yourself nice and fit and healthy, check out the Extreme Endurance Immune Boost. They've also got the Omega Plus D3. So intense exercise can cause the body to undergo a wide range of internal disruptions such as inflammation, increased acid, tissue damage and suppression of the immune system. The superior triglyceride form of the Omega-3 fatty acid used in the Extreme Endurance Omega Plus D3, particularly the effective EPA and DHA fatty acids help support cardiovascular health, joint movement, immune function, and a healthy response to exercise-induced inflammation. So that's one of the key things. Keep your inflammation down, and uh, you're going to feel a hell of a lot better, stay healthier, and kick some butt. Here we go, xendurance.com, guys. Check it out. If you haven't checked it out before, make sure you do, and if you do use it, good on you. And remember the promo code, IAMTALK20, gets you 20% discount, and uh, Kiwis and Aussies, you can just order it direct through me. There we go. Eight group of the week. week. Okay, uh, we've still got two to go on this. I think we have. This has been. I mean, this is one of the things we've been rolling over, and I, I don't want to forget about these people because they're the all-world champions, which is a deal. You know, uh, sometimes when you're going further down the rankings, and sometimes people have only done one race and stuff, and you get a, a high ranking through one race. But the people that are at the top, we want to give them some attention. And what we're focusing on doing is not just looking at the all-world athletes to combine, but then also having a quick look at the Ironman all-world athletes and kind of see what races they did and what got them to the top. So what we've been doing as we do these age groupers of the week is we're looking at where they got in Kona. Yes, so where they finished in the all-world rankings, so the winner of that, and then we look at the Ironman overall um overall winners and sort of see if there's a difference if it's the same person or not so why don't you do the ones on the show notes show notes and i'll do the ones that were winning the iron man overall we're doing the 40 plus females today okay so the first one is phoebe fear let's be honest she she's had a no, great name she had no fear she's obviously had no fear because she took it out and that is a great name <laughs> phoebe fear yeah, like if we we're going to give you a nickname we'd probably say phoebe fear yeah Ugh. or has no Oh, see, look at that gold. <laughs> so Phoebe also won the Ironman overall. She went to Ironman Cairns, she, which is the Asia Pacific champs. She finished second there in a 10-12. Went to Kona, um, only managed 14th in the age group there, uh, but also did Western Australia where she took that out in an eight, oh, 8.52, but there was uh, no swim there. Okay, we had Jordan Blanco. Blanco. Blanco, sorry, Blanco. Now she uh, you the gonna, UK? Yes. Well, she actually resides in the States, but she uh, she did Length of New Zealand uh, oh, really? Epic Camp back in the good old days. Nice. And uh, so she also took out the Ironman overall, finished first at the uh, African Championships in South Africa in a time of 10.42 uh, over in Kona, only managed 24th in the World Champs. But luckily she won at Ironman Marda Plata, I think that's uh, the one in Barcelona, oh. with a 10.51. So two Ironman wins, is uh, you're good to go. Judy Anderson in the 50 to 54 category from the United States in California. And there's just, I've just, there's not a crappy internet here, there's just a time lag with the Ironman site. Judy Anderson, was that who you said? 
Yes. She also took out the Ironman overall, so nice work. Finished third at Ironman Boulder in a 11.28. She finished second at Ironman Santa Rosa, and then she won Ironman Los Cabos. Very good. Carmen Gross. Just go, slow, slow the boat down, Bevan. Slow the flow. I'm going <laughs> to slow the flow, John. Slow. And I'll just talk for a bit. Age group 55 to 59, Carmen Gross, or Grossi, uh, from Germany. Yeah, yeah. she is from Germany. Well, I've got it here in front of me. I'll pull it up. Okay, wait a second. Oh, no. The IMA website's really slow. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, we've got a different winner here. So oh. Barbara Cronin from the States ended up being the Ironman champion, courtesy of winning in South America with 11.13. It's an impressive time for 55 to 59. Swam an hour. Bike 5.28 and ran 4.31. She then went to Lake Placid and she finished third. And then the World Champs, she finished 16th. So look, the theme that's coming through here for some of the slightly older athletes, you do three and Ironmans, you're going to do pretty well here. Okay, we have Nancy Cullen from West Beach, South Australia, Australia. And she was in 60 to 64. Nice. And I don't see her name at all on my list here. Oh, no, Nancy. Yes, yeah, she got fourth. Okay, so the winner of the 60-64 Ironman overall was Lorraine Gertzitz from the States. And she had a third at Santa Rosa, 21st at World Champs, and a third at Ironman Arizona. So, again, you do more, you do three Ironmans in a year. If you're 60-64, you could be... Right. Doing good. Pamela Williamson is a uh, Williams. Sorry, Pamela Williams is from Australia. She is in a sixty-five to sixty-nine. I wonder how many. I'm just going out of interest. How many pages there are here? So I'll do do the winner first. Um, so Pamela Williams also took that out. She did four Ironmans. Yeah. And she's sixty-five to sixty-nine. So she smoked everybody. She finished first in uh, the African Champs. She finished. She didn't finish in Ironman Wales. Uh, she finished first, first in Malaysia. She finished third at Western Australia. Okay, then we have Bobby Greenberg, and she is from Highland Park in the United States, and she was 70-74. We'll go on to 70-74. I'll see how many there are around the world that are actually finishing races because they should all be listed on here in terms of... Uh, come on, Ironman. Come on, Ironman. Maybe they've already changed to a different company and they're using a different website. That's right. They've gone to uh, Linda Ashmore from Great Britain took it out. She did two races. So she beat some of the athletes below her that did uh, three. She's won two races. She won Ironman UK in 14.47. And she was the champion at the Ironman World Champs. So nice work. At the Ironman World Champs in the 70-74 last year, uh, there was nine athletes, so she was first out of nine. Well, that's right. Uh, Sybil Jack, uh, Jabkinson um, from New York. This is 75 to yeah, 79. Yeah, 75 79. She's not actually on the list, is she? Surely she must be. Well, I don't see her here. Okay. And then lastly, Marsha Smith from Houston, 80 to 84. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. They haven't, they haven't really updated the 75 to 79. Yeah. And then Marsha Smith took it out in the 80 to 84 and from Houston, Texas. Hey, y'all. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they haven't updated that either. I just want to go back to the 70 to 74. Bevan, uh, how, how fast do you reckon you could do a... When I'm that age? Yes, when you're 70 to 74. Uh, John, I doubt I'll be able to walk. <laughs> you know, like, I think there's going to be a cost for all these exercises we do. Um, so I'm going to say not hugely fast. I'm going to say I'd be really happy with under 15 hours. Mm. 70, 74 oh, mm. under. 
So it looks here like uh, worldwide there was uh, 14 finishes at, for females around the world. At, it's unofficial, 14 finishes around the world at Ironman athletes. <sighs> Solid effort, girls. Cray, cray, John. Cray, cray. Um, okay, uh, that's this week's age group. We've finished the rest of them. We're done now. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Three, two, one. All right, no, let's have some music for this section. Okay, let's go. That's tastic. It's fantastic. Thorsten's done a great job. He's looked at the. Thorsten's been bored, I think. He's, he started posting fairly uh, full on the last couple of. Uh, so the last week or so. And uh, he's gone deep. Deep, deep dive. Got a deep the 20, cut here, team. The, deep 20, cut. the 2017 money list. So if you love tracking all this sort of stuff, uh, he's gone pretty in fascinating, there. isn't it? And just some of the highlights there's basically nearly $10 million US on offer at across Ironman, 70.3, Challenge, ITU, and some of the other major races such as Super League, um, the Bill Bauer Bauer Triathlon, uh, Escape from Alcatraz, Alpe d'Huez, Embram, Island House, ITU, Long Distance World Champs, and the Xterra. So just under 10 million US across uh, 159 races and 784 athletes. Yeah. So interestingly, if we look at prize money in the last from 2016 to 2017, Ironman branded full distance races dropped 1.8%. Half distance races, 70.3s, dropped nearly 10%. But then you go to challenge with their bonus system, they've gone up 22%. Uh, there's been no change in ITU. I'm pretty sure the ITU money did actually go up last year. They seem to go up year on year. Um, okay. I think the thing with there is it's easy to put the boot into Ironman, which we regularly do, and they should. We, I firmly believe they should be pumping out um, more money into the pro side of the sport. Um, but challenge, maybe they put on more races. So well, no, because Ironman together put on 100 races, basically 106 races. Mm. Challenge put on 34. Mm. So but actually. If you go, okay, you, you talk for a second, I'm going to do some calculations. So, um, overall winners were Flora Duffy um, on the female side of things. She took home $295,000. Daniela Reef was second with two hundred forty. dollars Mario Mola was third with two twenty. dollars Javier Gomez fourth with 196000 And Richard Murray in fifth with one hundred seventy-three. So, great to see that there's a mix of females and males on the prize money list, which is awesome. Um, it is a bit... You know, you go down to 20th place and Yvonne Van Vlerken's only taking home $73,000. That's the 20th highest paid athlete in the world doing triathlon. Now, we know they get bonuses from elsewhere. They've got sponsorship, etc. 
that's not a great deal of money when you're the 20th highest money earner in the world. Um, on the WTC side of things, um, Daniela Reef and Patrick Lang were on top because basically if you win Kona, you're going to have uh, significantly more money than anybody else. Uh, although Lionel Sanders did very well. He finished with 155000 um, from Ironman Racing. Ironman's outside of Kona, um, Sarah Crowley was on top there, so that excludes the Kona prize money, Sebastian Keenlay second, Susie Cheatham third, but again you look down to the 19th highest Ironman athlete outside of Kona, Kyle Buckingham $21,000. Yeah. It's not a great deal. And then he's also done the same for 70.3. He's gone through uh, the challenge money. He's gone through the ITU money. And uh, yeah, it's just a good, I know that a few other sources have done similar things, but I think Torsten's taken it to the, the next level as he does so well. So if you want to check that out, go to tryrating.com and uh, see where all the money went, who got it, and uh, how how little there is out there. Okay, so as you're talking, John, I just basically went through each race and saw each each competition and had a look at what is the average per race. Now, I know this isn't 100% best way of looking at it, but it's just an interesting way of kind of breaking it up. So at Ironman, they are on average for the 106 races they have, they're putting out $47,544. Mm-hmm. Challenge for the 34 races they have on average is 31866 So Challenge actually are putting less money out. Mm-hmm. Um, ITU, are putting in a lot more money. <laughs> so on average per race, they only do 10 races, they're averaging $233,500. And then Super League, do nine races, are averaging $136,200. Hmm. So obviously short course is where the money is at. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, John. And, and, and it's on 19 races. And these guys are also going to be doing, getting good paychecks from their national federations. They'll Security, also be, yep, support. And they'll be going also and doing like French Grand Prix or Bundesliga. So it's bloody ruthless. It's very, very competitive. So the top guys are doing well, but the middle to back guys, you know, they're not getting paychecks at any races. They're getting support to be there. Is this an ITU you mean? Yeah. Yep. So just looking at some of the upcoming races, you know, in terms of Ironman ones, um, so Ironman New Zealand has uh, 60000 prize money. Looking down here at 70.3s, you, you, you know, the ones that are coming up, you're sort of looking at between fifteen dollars and $25,000 uh, for 70.3s. California's got a bit more. That's uh, 50000 And then you go to the next rung up, you know, the, the championship races. Uh, so South Africa and Texas, they both have $150,000. So, um, yeah, they are stumping money up, but I don't know. I'd like to see a bit more. Well, it's interesting as well, because if you take away the two championship races, because that's what challenges don't have is a real high-priced championship race, do they? Oh, well, I've got, I don't know what it is. That, um, the championship. The, the championship. I think that's pretty reasonable. Okay. But I would say, well, no, maybe we should, uh, we should ask about that, but I get the feeling that Challenge will be looking after the athletes a bit more in terms of getting them there potentially a bit more so than what Ironman does, but that's just a assumption. That's not fact. Oh uh, yeah, I, I think it's an assumption we could probably say is pretty close to fact, <laughs> but we don't know. Uh, John Coaches Corner teamwork. Ian Moore sent through an email says, "Hey boys, I have a question for John. Bevan can answer too. My Ironman training is off to a poor start with poor motivation and bad weather meaning that I have not been doing enough especially on the bike. However I am due to change jobs and they'll be taking a week and a half off. I intend to use this as a blitz time uh, to blitz the training and I have a plan to ride 
to get five or six long rides in between four, three to five hours and try to get my fitness up. If you have any recommendations or watch outs for this, I'm concerned about getting sick, injured, but I need to start kicking my training off as I'm doing rote on the 1st of July. Ian, don't know where you're from, but if you're from the UK, uh, the weather is not looking great for you guys at the moment. You're getting pounded over there. Are they? Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Mm. So what I would say is we get quite often get this sort of question in, and it's going to vary a lot depending on what your athletic age is, what your background is, because you need to be, if you're just going to go head, head into this and you're not really biomechanically stable or you haven't got a history of doing this, it's obviously a lot ris- more risky. Oh, if, massive if, risk. Yeah, if we were to say someone like Bevan or myself or someone who's done some some big mileage before, reasonably resilient, and you're going to go, I'm just going to go on a blitzkrieg and just go and do you know five or six rides, I'd say go for it you just got to be a bit sensible about it and we have got I'll do some tips around that but if you are a newbie and you haven't done much endurance training you do need to be a little bit careful about this in terms of uh, not going and injuring yourself so it's all good and well going doing big heavy training but if you end up injured kind of pointless if you've got to have a couple of weeks off afterwards so um, so that I think you need to consider that first is what where your background comes from and if you are a relative newbie, then you might break it up and ride every second day long, every second day, and you on the in between days maybe have a bit more of a focus on on your swim. Um, but yeah, first thing you want to do is try to minimise the risk of injury, irrespective of what ability you are or what background you come in. So focus on your flexibility as much as possible, um, especially if you're coming from a poor level of fitness. And so what I mean by that is, you know. Set yourself a goal for for every day to make sure that after every session, sometime in the afternoon, that you're going to go and do you know at least 15 minutes of dedicated stretching, um, in addition to doing some stretching straight after you finish your your workout. So you're going to have a focus on on flexibility. Um, some suggestions around sort of minimising the injury risk if you're a newbie is. Uh, maybe alternating your days between a medium long ride and then maybe doing a, a swim bike run on the other days. So, for example, you might ride four to five hours one day. Next day, you might go and do a, a 3K swim, maybe only a 40K bike and a 10K run or, or something along those lines, just so you're, you're minimizing the risk of uh, going long every day on the bike. As I said, if you've got quite a strong pedigree, maybe you're a former Kona athlete or you've been doing the sport for quite a while then I think it'll be relatively safe just to bike long every day. Um, Alter the terrain you're doing on the bike as well. So sometimes people get a bit excited about doing lots of hills and they'll just go hills, hills, hills for five days in a row. So just maybe plan to maybe do a hilly ride one day, a flatter ride one day, and then maybe a bit of a mixture one day and, and then repeat that. I would encourage you to run off the bike most days, even if it's only a short transition run. It's a really good way to to loosen yourself off. We know that from epic camps. Sometimes you get off the bike and you'll feel rubbish and you might be running at a terribly slow speed, but it will help you loosen up a bit for the from the bike and probably set yourself up for the next day. And that's one of the things you always gotta have in mind is when you're doing this sort of stuff, it's all good and well to get through one day. But if you're backing up sort of four or five days, you need to be thinking about the next days. And that leads into my next point is looking after your body. So chamois cream, pile it on and... Yeah. Uh, and keep clean. Yeah. You know, change your pants a lot. You know, if you're going to do, you know, like you need to be washing your clothes. It sounds pretty basic, but it's actually really important. Yeah. So I'd, I'd, on, on Epic Camps, I'd quite often on the big days have a spare pair of pants and a spare pair of bike shorts and halfway through the ride... 
nip around the other side of the van and uh, put on some fresh ones. You never whip around a van. You, you just get it out in front of everyone. <laughs> and you feel a hell of a lot better, especially if it's a you know, stinking hot day and your chamois all wet and manky. Uh, it's a nice feeling putting on some fresh pair of bike shorts. Uh, aim, to, if, aim to have a massage, just a light massage, maybe midway through, nothing too deep. Uh, and that'll help you bounce back from, from day to day. And then sort of one of the final things is planning and nutrition. So rather than just winging it and thinking, oh, I'm going to go and do this uh, 100 mile ride and I'll pick up a pie here and a, I'll have a Mars bar here and then when you get home you'll just eat whatever's in sight. Have a bit of a plan you know, for pre-riding so you're setting yourself up for a good day. Um, what you're going to be having during the ride so um, thinking that through rather than just winging it and then having a post-race plan as well. So for example I think last week or the week before we were sort of talking about the extreme endurance execute you know having some something like a smoothie ready to go something's easy to prepare so when you get back boom you're into it and you get some good recovery straight away rather than just eating shitty crappy foods. So there's a few tips. I think the overriding theme though for you, Ian, is if you and for others that might want to do some big training early on when they haven't got a lot of base under them, is just to consider what your athletic background's like. And if it's pretty limited, maybe go big one day and then focus more on the other disciplines on the other day and, and then keep repeating that. If you're coming from a strong background, go nuts, go crazy, go long every day, but uh, mix up your terrain quite a bit and have a plan. I think one other thing you probably want to think about, Ian, as well, is why are you lacking motivation and how do you need to develop yourself around weather? Because, you know, like we think about the evolution of an athlete. One thing I, I wrote about in my book is I was really proud of, of my athletic time in Ironman is that when I started off, I was probably a 60% guy, mm-hmm. as in I do the program 60% of the time, probably to the program 60% of the time. In my last period as an Ironman, I was 100% athlete. Like, mm-hmm. if I had a program, for that last year, I didn't miss any sessions. I didn't delay any sessions. If it was a bad day, I just went out and trained. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, you know, get to that next level because I kind of knew, I learnt those lessons. And it seems that in your development, and, and, and it's also interesting as well right now in your life because you're about to go through change because of change in job. But obviously, you've got to, f- part of your development is finding motivation and and to me it's also finding great strategies so like one thing we had a really bad weather day in Christchurch last week and uh we had a appalling turnout for our runners <laughs> like appalling like it was basically you know like we, we on a weekday session we'll probably get 80 runners at a run and we probably had 10 like it was appalling <laughs> now they went they were, it was just that one wet day the irony was I went for a run before the session myself it was a beautiful run like it wasn't yeah. it wasn't cold it was and, and by the time the session started it was fine but People just, once bad weather comes in, they create this story about how hard it's going to be. Mm. And you, a part of your athletic development is someone who can turn, you know, because what, what's one of the keys to success? Well, it's consistency in training. And so if you're going to be someone who's a bit half-assed when it gets a bit wet, well, you're never going to perform at your athletic best. Mm. You know, and so as a part of your development, sure, trying to catch up because you're blitzing because you've got an opportunity here right now as a way to kind of cheat the system a little bit. But ultimately one of your areas of development is to get better at being the guy who just turns up every day, no matter the condition. Now, sometimes if it's really terrible, you might jump on the indoor trainer, mm. but but ultimately for your development as an athlete, it's really those are the things you really want to get on top of. Consistency is the absolute key. Oh, so, so important. You know, you might do a fantastic 12 to 15 week build up and a lead into the race, and that's certainly going to help a lot. Um, 
but it's what you do for, for not the other nine months of the year that's going to really set you up well for that. Um, that being said, I think, you, Ian, I think you were saying you're training for road, so I think you've probably got about 18, 19 weeks, something like that. So there's plenty of time to get in shape. So you do need to think about that uh, consistency consistency side of things. And, uh, and uh, look, for, f- it doesn't work for everybody, but just doing some planning, just like getting a spreadsheet out. And this is one of the things I really work on with the athletes that I work with is putting it down on paper, so you go, right, my race is there, you work backwards, you plug in all the key things that you want to be doing along the way and the little steps, and so then you've got a bunch of little intermediate goals you've got to work towards as you're getting towards rote, so it's not all thinking, right, rote, 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 it's okay, at this stage in training I want to be able to go and ride 90Ks at this power output or this pace or whatever it might be, and just having lots of little intermediate steps, put it on a spreadsheet, then you can kind of see your pathway to get there, and, and I think that you find that helps with your motivation. One thing that I, one, one, like my training to Queenstown, one of the strategies that if I found was really powerful, and I may have talked about this on the show, was just that whole how am I going to feel at the end of this run? Mm-hmm. You know, the, or how am I going to feel at the end of the set that I'm trying to achieve? So instead of thinking of why it's going to be hard, I felt, I thought, what is it going to feel like if I do this really well? And one of the reasons I was really proud of my Queenstown race was that, I, other than the fact that I got injured before it, I basically trained as hard as the program demanded me to train. And mm-hmm. I did every session I was meant to do up, in, up, up until the injury point. And um, and that was the strategy that allowed me to be really successful. In the morning mm-hmm. when I wake up, I think about my training session, think about how I'm going to feel when I walk in the door before I started the session, how am I going to feel. And to me, I love using that strategy because it's such a good strategy to remind you of the real reward you're going to get by doing the thing you got to do and then you go out and do it you get the reward it's a steam building you know it's heading you down the right path so Ian we look forward to seeing you at the finish line and wrote and you can tell us all about your consistent training all the way through to race day from 27th of February onwards okay John let's do it 3, 2, 1 website of the week oh Charlesy this is just going to be a quick one but it was interesting yeah so Andrew Charles who's the long time listener of the show and done epic camps and he's been on the show a few times lovely man he is just sent through USADA's Athlete history website. So you can actually now go onto USADA, which is the USA um, doping agency, and see who's been tested and how often. It doesn't have their test results on there. I just thought it was quite interesting to see how many, how often the triathletes have been tested. Uh, last year, there was 113 athletes in the testing pool, 195 tests, and uh, lots of them are just sort of ones and twos and threes. Matt Charbot had nine tests. Um, you had uh, more of the ITU athletes uh, that had a few a few more. You had Sarah True. She's a fairly a really regular athlete on the ITU. She had 10 tests. Uh, yeah, so it's just interesting to see how often they're testing and the, the size of the pool. A lot of athletes only got tested once or twice. Tim O'Donnell was in there. He got tested three times. So they okay, do so that I mean, athletes. Yeah. Andy Potts was tested three times as well. Um, so they are out there doing testing. Good to see. Yeah, so if you, the other thing about this is you can also then go into <clears throat> other sports and see how often they get tested. So let's have a track and field. There's going to be bloody hundreds of athletes in there. There was there's 611 athletes, uh, 1,400 tests. Again, uh, lots of ones and twos and threes. Uh, Does it depend on the, like, who's a famous person in track and field? Mo Farrow. This is, but he's not American. Oz American only? Yes. Who would be American track? Uh, what about Jonathan Gatlin? Uh, okay, this is alphabetical. Yeah, Jonathan, because he's been done three times, isn't he? Yeah, let me just see. Because okay, so I'm just kind of curious if you're more successful, you get tested more often. Um, 
Or if there's a history, you can test it more often. Than Justin Gatlin had 13 oh, tests. Oh, Justin Gatlin, sorry. And uh, Tyson Gay, who's also a sprinter, had 12 tests. Okay. And they're pretty successful, aren't they? They are, uh, yeah. Yeah. And hey, Gatlin's worth testing. Because mm. <laughs> he's proven to be a cheat twice. Mm. Uh, interesting stuff. So if you want to go check out who's your local, who's been tested. Now, can you go by country or is it just America? It's just America. Okay. There you go. Okay. So that's a little interesting website. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, John Wanger of the Week. Wanger of this, the week this week what is we are going to do, uh, uh, this is just random.org, we are doing number twos. Number today. twos. We're doing number twos. Doing number twos. Longest activity. Okay, well this goes down to, female took it out, John. Nice work. And Jenny Wrench, Welch, sorry, Jenny Welch from the United States took it out. And it looks like she did a run. 10 hours and 29 minutes, must have been an ultra somewhere. Wow, uh, Gunnar Roll got second, and, and then uh, Walter McCormick got Walter third Walter McCormack, he was on Epic Camp France. There we go. And if closely follow, he must have been riding with Rob Moore because he finished third in the uh, in the longest training session as well. Both one did five nineteen, so, and uh, one did five eighteen. Jenny Welsh, ten hour run. Oh, where did she go on a ten hour run? Sarah Myford got second in the girls, and then Rachel Cunningham, I think it was, was third. She is she is hardcore, John. She did sixty two point eight miles, uh, averaging ten minutes per miles. And where on earth is she? She does. I think she runs a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Far out. Yeah. She's she's somewhere down in California, by the look of it. Her best one k effort sub three minute k. So she's a pretty good runner. Got to assume it must have been a race somewhere. Yeah. Very that's impressive. That's a long time. She to runs a hundred k a week. So she's a big runner. Yeah. That's her average. So miles split. She started off sort of uh, sub nine minute miles for quite a while. And then by 30 miles in, she was sort of starting to go out to, to 10 minute miles, 10 and a half, 11s, 12s. Came home strong at a nine minute point, nine minute 30 mile. She's done well, really, because she only joined our group last week. Oh, well done. <laughs> so, Jenny Welch, well done for joining our group and instantly getting your name. She probably joined our group and thought, I'm going to do a 10-hour run because I know they're going to choose second. They've done a comparison, me against her. So, <laughs> average training per week, she does 103, I do 22.6. Uh, average running time, this is only for running. She does 11 hours, I do one and a half. Uh, I've definitely, I'm, I'm slightly faster than her, John. Yeah. Slightly, although she's got the 1K on me, my... 1K estimate best effort. They're saying she can do a sub three minute K and I can do a 314. Jeepers. It's a love Strava. Come on. <laughs> uh, but I'm a little bit faster as you go. Her fastest marathon is a 321 based on Strava. She had distance so far just running this year. She's nearly ran 800 Ks. How many weeks? We've probably had about eight weeks, yeah, haven't yeah, we? 100K yeah, a week? Yep. Yeah, solid. Um, so there you go. She's pretty So there was a few comments on her, her sessions. She said... Uh, Classic case of went out too fast, but I was going for it. Dang it. Dang it. Dang it. God dang it. Oh, dang it. She's got some good photos as well. So it looks like she's a bit of an adventurer. Well done, Jenny Welch. You are our wanger, wanger of, the of the week. Okay, Jombo, let's talk about sponsor. Um, just one other thing on while we're talking wangers. Oh, yeah? um, we need some more submissions for our um, wanger competition. Um, Javier Gomez has been put in there courtesy of uh, the photo that my wife took. But also Murray yeah, Unfortunately, Lapworth. he wasn't using a banana. No. Murray Lapworth is in there, and um, our f- 
chap from Australia, your name eludes me just off the top of my head. Yep. Uh, so we haven't got too many submissions. So the, the winner is going to get uh, some I Am Talk gear. I'm wearing some I Am Talk gear right when, now. When do, when, do we, when do we call that one up? Well, I think we were going to do one at the end of our sort of Southern Hemisphere okay. season and one nice. at the end of the Northern Hemisphere right. season. So, so you, remember, you just got to put a banana down your pants. Something in that sort of shape. Yeah. Males or females, but you know, females, anybody can enter it. this, it's no problem. And uh, get a photo at some stage on the run, ideally down the finishing shoot. Good times, rock and roll. Sponsor John. So, we're going to talk about health IQ. Tell me about it, Jonbo. It's for our American listeners. If you want to save some dollars on your life insurance, just go on to healthiq.com slash imtalk. Get a free quote. Basically, the deal is, you probably heard about the last couple of weeks, is you're going to get rewarded by being fit and healthy and save yourself some money. So 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. Uh, so you just go on there, fill in a quiz or give them a buzz, but you need to go through healthiq.com slash imtalk and save yourself some bucks. And it's also just one way where you guys can support us doing the show just by checking it out. And, and guys, I'm going to be honest. When I looked at the website, because I like being honest, I'm never really dishonest, to be <laughs> yeah. honest. If I try to be honest, it's definitely one of my core values. But um, the standard wasn't that high. Right. Like for people like us, you just cruising. Oh, like, yeah, because like they, they kind of say, well, what kind of level of fitness are you doing? And it's kind of like, well, I'm pretty fit, you know, like, so, yeah, so definitely, like, check it out. Yeah. Check it out. Save some money and. Go with a company that actually is going to reward you for being fit and healthy. So it should only take a couple of minutes. Get if on you there. are in America, you can call them on 1-800-549-1664. Just make sure you mention IM Talk. Just say you heard about them on the show. Um, but yeah, seriously, it's a no-brainer. If, you have, if you've got life insurance, just see if you can get it cheaper here. If you haven't got life insurance, you know how I feel about this. I've been <laughs> ranting about this in the last couple of weeks. But I do think it's a very important thing to have in your life. Go check it out and then uh, you can see how you're going. Get insured for $5 million. There you go. com slash imtalk. Okay. Rock and roll. Okay, John. Questions, Questions and answers. answers. Grand Perks got the first edition of the Race of Legends will be held in one year at Embram, Sunday the 12th of August, 2018. 100 legends and top athletes of good old times will be racing a sprint format in their old equipment. Ooh, Melina. Melina has all his old equipment, doesn't he? Melina's going. Yeah, well, because he, he keeps all his old stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember one time we went to his house when he lived on the on the water there, mm-hmm. and I'd bike there, and I got torrential rain. <laughs> and I'm doing this interview with him, and I'm literally just getting hypothermic. Like, yeah. I was not healthy. And, uh, and he gave me some of his old gear. Yeah. yeah, he had to pull some out. But uh, tell us about the race, John. Uh, so this is it. You, you, you know how passionate I am about the Embraer Man Triathlon. It's it's on my hit list to go and do. Um, so what they're doing this year, I have mentioned this before, but I wanted to give another plug. And um, Graham sort of uh, got me got me fired up about this. So they've got getting some real proper old legends heading over there, just doing uh, you know do, doing a race, having a bit of a get together. And the list of athletes that are going is bloody impressive. So you got, so you got Mal- some names. You got Molina. You got Rick Wells. I'm just going to scroll through their page. I'm sure I've seen um, a lot of the top American athletes as well. Jenny Alcorn is in there. Um, Let me just scroll through here. Leandro Macedo. I'm out of shape. I'm going to have to drink more beer to prepare for the (laughs) post-competition. Leandro Macedo is a fantastic ITU, Brazilian ITU athlete. Probably... I'm going to say mid sort of uh, mid 90s when draft legal came in, he was uh, he was absolutely crushing it. 
And there'll be lots of names that you don't necessarily know of that'll be popping up at this race. Jan Rahula, uh, he was the bronze medalist at the Sydney Olympics. Um, Robin Brew, a very famous uh, Great Britain athlete, um, is going to be lining up. Uh, but the, I'm just... Todd Voss is It'd be really cool for them because it'd be like, it's a reunion, really, isn't oh, it? Oh, that, that's what'll be appealing for them. Yeah, like how cool is that? You know, like yeah, it's it's you kind of you've had your career, and it's funny actually. I was speaking to one of my workmates because I'm kind of getting towards the end of my career with Les Mills, and one of my workmates who I've travelled a lot with over the years, and I'm really good friends with her, and we were just kind of saying we may not see each other much more in the rest of our lives you know mm. like we're kind of we're doing this big thing in the in the business right now and it's kind of a last moment for many of us and um and we're kind of we're traveling around the country right now and we're kind of doing a little bit of travel and we last weekend we was like this might be the last time we see each other like you got mm. facebook and stuff and i said well maybe we have to re reunion in 10 years mm. because you have these amazing and and their world's a little bit like our world where you don't spend a huge amount of time with these people but you have these little experiences often which mm. are quite bond you know, building. And uh, so I imagine it'd be such a cool thing for them to do. And I love that they're pulling out the old school stuff. There's a picture here of Alec Rukasev, and he was a, a Russian who ended up racing uh, in didn't defect but immigrated to um, America and he's got his old Kestrel ready to go and the Kestrel was one that didn't have sort of the down tube yeah uh, bouncy wasn't it yeah well no not bouncy it just didn't have a down tube so you're thinking of the zip that bounced around but this yeah. one sort of got all the frame on there, but just not the down tube. Kurt Madden, who we had on our Legends of Triathlon, he won the first ever Ultraman. Alex uh, Alex Manzan, he was another guy, a Brazilian dude who was uh, a very, very good ITU athlete, uh, world junior champion as well. Mika Suze, um, but I know Molina's going, and I'm pretty sure a lot of the other big big kahunas, Nicole Leader, pretty sure I saw Lothar Leader in there Do you know what's well? going to be really funny? This is going to be the guys who are still fit. Mm-hmm. Then there's going to be the guys who have a bit of base fitness. Yeah. So there's going to be guys like Melina who's still a bit of an ex. Yeah. Then there's going to be the guys who've got a bit of base fitness and then there's going to be the guys who are real struggling. But I guarantee the first couple hundred metres of that race, <laughs> it's going to be all on. All on and then like you're going to Don see a suffer fest from some of them on the other side of it. I didn't actually realise till now that they're going to be doing it on old school equipment that makes it just takes oh it to the really next, that takes it to the next level Excellent. christian bustos who was some, he? Pe some people will say he was one of the best athletes not to win uh kona he got on the podium once over there i think he got a, a third frank Heldorn. he was a great danish uh, not danish dutch athlete um so the great dane you could call him but yeah. he's not he was dutch. like mckeely jones might be going they must be funding themselves. Oh, they, 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 that's a massive prize money race, um, Ember Man. It's a big race, um, but they also get a lot of, uh, I think, sort of regional funding. But it's a cool place to go. If you get oh, a chance, yeah, but you're getting all those out. people along. Imagine mm. the years. Mm. Um, good on them. So if you're in that part of the world, check, check, check it out because it's something pretty cool that's going to be happening. Okay, John, let's uh, talk about our patrons. Okay, we need a new one. David Winterbottom. I did, if we gave you a nickname, I'm not. I didn't record it, so we're going to have to come up. Well, with Well, let's new ask him if he gave. He might. He might like it. Okay, David Winterbottom. If you got a nickname, let us know what it was. Otherwise, we'll come up. I'm with thinking Game of Thrones. Are you? Well, winter. Winter has come. Okay. Do you watch Game of Thrones? No. Oh, John. <laughs> Uh, what are you watching right now? What's your favourite program? Oh, Belinda's all over the um, the Doctor one on Lightbox. Hmm. The Doctor with um, Hugh Laurie. Uh, no, no, autism. The young Doctor, I think it is. Oh, it's quite. It's very interesting. We're watching The Good Place. Oh. Heard it? No, it's very good. No. Okay. Steve Savage. Wait, 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 Rob Cummings. 
Oh, we'll go into that in a second because I've got to show you a picture. I Steve Camaccio, uh, the savage Camaccio. Nice. We've got Tim, the one to rule them all, Josephs. Do you remember Tim from uh, from camp last year? Yeah. Now, um, just pause for a second, Bevan. I've got to find something. Okay, you find the photo. Okay. He's so got, he's unpause. So I've, I've got the picture through from Rob Cummins. Oh, Cummins, wait a second. Turn pa- around. Patron of the show. Oh, I'll tell you what, the boy's got some six-pack abs. Yeah, but when you look at that, who does he remind you of? I'm not sure if I'm thinking along the same lines. I yeah. don't know, John. I reckon he looks like Jan Fredino. Oh, okay. I see a little bit of that there. Yeah, he's got six pick heads, right? I know. We could call him. Okay, what do you, so what's your thinking? Well, I've got to go along the Fredino angle. And the other thing there as well is he's got his uh, picture there with, thankfully he told us the pronunciation of his wife. Uh, try, to, try to say this. A-I-S-L-I-N-G. A-I-S-L-I-N-G. How do you say that, babe? A-I-S-L-I-N-G. It is? Eiling? Eiling. Ash- Ashling. Yeah, Irish are weird. <laughs> but they are with no their names. No Ashling. No, but they are. Like, because we've got a coach called Anya, and it's I-A-I-N-E. How do you get Anya out of that? <laughs> anyway, so he's... Um, What's that? So, <laughs> yeah. So Rob, he's a 46 year old. He lives in Dublin, Ireland. He's married to Ashling, and uh, she also coaches him. Oh, he uh, wow. took up cycling in 1999 after quitting for tw- a 12 year career of cigarettes uh, and a day. That was his career. Yeah, that <laughs> That's was a pretty career. good career. Yeah. <laughs> Did his first try in 2003. Finished not quite so happy, but not uh, too far off, off as what he wanted to do. Then went to Nice in 08. Uh, second one in Zurich in 09, both missed, both times missed out on the podium, just cracked the top 1,000. In 2011, with the help of my wife, I decided to uh, give Kona a crack after getting a coach and training somewhat properly. I finished 26th at Ironman UK. I missed the Kona slot by two minutes <sighs> in one place. I went back to Ironman UK and qualified the following year and again in 2013. So I re- I just picked owned this picture and I thought he looked like Fredino. Okay. And then so what's the nickname? Um, got to have a nickname. We've got to have a nickname. Give it a pause, Bevan, and I'll have okay. some, some thought. I've, I've vetoed John. <laughs> <laughs> I've vetoed him. We're not going. Well, who cares about Fredino? Who's that guy? I'm going the greater. And John goes what? And I said because look at those abs. It's like you can grate cheese on the abs. Okay, the greater. Yep. There we go. So what? Name the name the whole name. Um, Rob the Greater Cummins. Because he's got those abs. I tell you, check out those abs. And if you're in Ireland as well, make sure you check out. Uh, he's got a, sm- a small coaching business. We'll put a link on that. Uh, Trycoach.ie, and then he's also got uh, a shop over there called Wheelworks. So if you need any bike gear, go check out Wheelworks with an X dot ie. Okay, good times, rock and roll. Okay, John, but we're going to talk a little bit about other sport. I see you've got in the show notes here. Although I did get an email from someone saying, how's the 2020 cricket going? Who cares about 2020 cricket? <laughs> I had a big week of sport, actually. Same, actually. So I was watching the Winter Olympics every day. Oh, um, did you get into it, did you? Yeah, I was watching it, you know, like the hour highlights package every day. That was really uh really Was it good? good? Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. You just watched it. It's what were the favourite sports that you maybe haven't watched before? Um... 
snowboarding was good. Like the the the, board, the the cross is always good. That's a bit of fighting in the cross. Can't really get into the ice hockey. It's just too fast. So I just don't know what's going on in ice hockey. Gotta say, we watched the half pipe with that young Kiwi guy in the middle. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, how do you get good at that sport without dying? Mm. Oh my god, some um, of the carnage. Just everything. I like watching a bit of the curling. Um, did you watch the curling? Did you? Yeah, it was just the highlights package. It's only a couple of minutes. The cross country skiing is always good. Love all the the shooting ones where you got to calm down and actually shoot the targets. It's yeah. awesome. We know nothing about this sort of stuff and what it takes but those, those some of those events are I know they're incredibly challenging and well done to Norway who just crushed everybody why did they crush why are they so good because they're not a big country are they they're not well, okay guess the population wait a second wait a second population. five million okay do you know that for a fact yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty close to that <laughs> okay let's see. what does Google say 5.2.33 and do you know oh Bevan what's going on here um, jeez and they win they win overall well they win overall um, but the only table that we ever care about is the medals per capita. How do we do? We do quite well on that this time because we actually got some medals, um, but they also finished second on the medals per capita, edged out by Liechtenstein, who got one medal, <laughs> and Norway, uh, got, Norway got 39. So per got capita one. is, yeah, go for you or not really. But Liechtenstein got one medal, and they've only got a population of 37,000 people. So well, Their GDP per capita well. is 70,000 US. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're pretty Norway. Are, they're a pretty successful country. We finished thirteenth on the uh, per capita table, and that's the only one we look at. That's all that matters. We're in front of Germany, and then John. So then rugby. We don't. We, there's no rugby happening right now. Why would we be talking about rugby, John? Well, so I got on the trainer on Sunday morning. <laughs> well, I was going to go out riding on the road. All set to go. Open up the garage door, and it's raining. I was like, oh, bloody hell! Oh, I must have watched it, the Poms play the Plymouth Scottish. It was dark. Well, I didn't initially. Thought I'll tr- I'll try a little Zwift race. Got on there, and then the oh, bloody. Do you use Zwift? I, I'm I'm going to get into it a little bit. I have tried it once or twice before. Personally, I prefer train a road, but I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. And um, went on there, and then the bloody app crashed. After I was five minutes into a race, Were I was winning? sitting in about a hundredth place. Oh really? <laughs> and oh. and so I thought, bugger that. So I'll see what's on. on <laughs> I don't know this race. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'm out. No, the the app did crash oh, of course on me, it did. and I, and I didn't want to reopen that, so I just did a a workout. I thought I'll watch something. Plugged in the old Sky Sports, piggybacking off my dad's account. Nice. And I do that with the father-in-law. So I watched a bit of Winter Olympics. I like the highlights of Winter Olympics, but not necessarily watching it back-to-back for sort of an hour and a half. So I'll see what's on. I was a bit of Six Nations. Oh, Scotland are playing England. I'll just turn that on, see what the score's on. It was only about 15 minutes in. Ended up watching the whole game. Was it a good game? Solid. Yeah. So Poms. Because in New Zealand... Everybody around the world will support any team playing the All Blacks, probably, because they want to see us get beaten, I would have thought, most of the time. But I'm sorry, English. Everybody in the world will support any team oh. playing England. And if it's Scotland, you've got to you got Especially in rugby. You guys have got Eddie Jones. What were you thinking? Oh, he's great. doing a good job, but oh, he's annoying. Great. The Scots took down the English. Yeah. That would be one of the most full-on rivalries of world sport. The Scots well, but, do not like them. But they'd always lose to them, wouldn't they? In most sports, almost always. Yeah. In rugby, they've only it's a handful of times they've won. Yeah, so they crushed them. It's amazing how good we are at sport, and I'm not saying that in a big way, but like the Irish in the last Olympics, the, those rowers, I think they had the first ever medal, wasn't it? I don't know about that. That's a big statement. You okay, I'm going to have a look. I'm, yeah, because I'm picking on the Irish today, aren't I? And then uh, and then backed it up. I watched, ended up watching the second half of the cricket the other night. It was a oh. Sunday night, and you Poms? Who do we beat? The, the Poms we beat the English. Who cares about 2020? It was a great finish. I was, I, I, I had my doubts there when we were going into the last few overs, but we came through. Oh, it was amazing. Okay, Ireland at the Olympics. Let's have a look. 
They've won. Oh no, sorry. I was very unfair of me. All yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, but this is still pretty poor. So in all the Olympic games the Irish have been in, nine golds, ten silvers, twelve bronze. Okay. Let's go New Zealand at the Olympics, just to prove well, it. Well, Rio de Janeiro, we won 18 medals. We were fourth on the Olympic t- uh, medals per capita table. Granada took it out in front of Bahamas and Jamaica. We were fourth. Okay, well, here's Can't our tally, Ireland John. Our tally, 46 gold, mm-hmm. 28 silvers, Jeez, so we get, and then 46 bronze, 120 medals. Mm-hmm. New Zealand per capita, John. We're probably number one. Right. <laughs> Best country in the world. I did have a bit of a scan through the medals um, on this medals. What is it? Medalspercapita.com. Oh, These okay. Olympics where we didn't do so well. Sydney, we got four medals in total. Yeah, that was a bad Olympics for us, wasn't it? Anyhow, nothing four, about Four t- in total? Yeah. <sighs> Australia, what's happened to your Olympic sport? They, they crushed it there. They got fifth overall medals per capita. Those were no dominant medals. swimmers as well. Because there was a period yeah. where Australia swimming killed swimming, oh, didn't they? absolutely. That's some great. I remember, remember talking to Mecca about the torpedo. And he was talking to me about how just the pressure he had on him as a young kid. Mm. And he was saying how once, once maybe once a month, the public were allowed to go watch his training session. Mm. And it was basically the whole stadium was full mm. just to watch him train. Like, unbelievable, eh? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. No, Australia a pretty sport, great sporting nation as well. Mm. But per capita. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John's sponsor. No. No, no, we're just saying sponsors. Oh, sponsors. <laughs> uh, extreme endurance. <laughs> you lactic buffer. Health IQ. Uh, just get it. Check it out if you're in America. You're a schmuck if you don't. HealthIQ.com slash IamTalk. You haven't put any th- my, my notes there. That's why okay. I went down that line. And our patrons. If you want to become a patron, go www.iamtalk.me. John, what's your goss? What's my goss? I had a uh, week triathlon in the weekend. Did you win? No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, and they had... 4,000 kids nearly race. What does it cost to do? Oh, 40 bucks, something like that, 30, 40 bucks. It's a pretty good race. It's pretty reasonable when you get a t-shirt and a race and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but the Weebix probably pay for that. Exactly. Yeah, they would. But um, yeah, massive event. Uh, so that's, That'd be uh, our biggest triathlon in New Zealand. Uh, I think it probably would. Especially yes. if we went each nation, each mm. each region. Mm. So that was uh, that was the afternoon. Um, and what else did I do at the weekend? Can't remember. It must have been awesome. Must have been awesome. Must fitness is just slowly building up, which is good. And I could see it when you walked uh, in today. I thought, yeah, got the Iron Talk gear on today. I've you got the whole out, outfit on today. Yeah, pulled out the old TT bike today. It's a bit of a struggle getting the TT bike up the hill. I've still got my rote gearing on it. And uh, to get up your steep hill mm. is a bit of a struggle because I haven't got enough small cogs on there. Mm. But uh, that's my that's my story, Bevan. What's, what's happening in your world? John, if you're eating an apple in a car, is it okay to throw it out of the car? Biodegradable? If it's on grassy, you know, if it's in, in, a, in a street. So you're saying it's okay just to throw rubbish outside? No, you are, no, it's not okay to throw rubbish. It's okay to throw an apple core. If you're in the countryside and it's on going onto grass in the countryside. What about by the showgrounds? Uh, that's probably a debatable area, showgrounds. Um, I don't know where this is leading because I haven't thrown a car, an apple out of the car. This is my wife. The other day we were driving down the road and we're just driving down the road. She needed an apple. My wife does like a clean car. Mm. I've never, I don't think I've ever cleaned my car. But it gets, it's always clean. Mm. And she did and she starts wondering, and she's like, baby, what are you doing? She goes, it's biodegradable. In that area of town, I, I'm going to give Joe the benefit of the doubt there. I'd say the area there, it's quite rural. Yeah, I'm okay with that. She's disgusted, you, John mm. Newsom. Mm. I'm disgusted. No. 
it's still litter. Mm. What if every so that what if every car threw an apple out? We'd have some healthy grass, <laughs> some good trees. Yeah, <laughs> next year you go pick the apples. Exactly. Okay, well there you go. I, I thought you'd <laughs> Mister stu- Mister Man who's like been stewing on that one all week. No, because you, when it comes to helmets, if you saw someone riding down the road, you'd throw the apple at the head, wouldn't you? I, I, that's that, that is an exception. You are allowed to do that. <laughs> Authorized, <laughs> not even eating the apples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to back that up with a couple. Kids, get your lunch boxes out. <laughs> Go for it. Sandwiches as well. It's okay. Do you think you were smelly when you were a teenager? No, I was swimming all the time, so I was smelled of chlorine. Oh, it's probably not a bad point, actually. Because mm. we went to a friend's house the other night, and they've got a teenage boy. He's probably 17. Got a mm. girlfriend now, so mm-hmm. all types of smells are happening. And uh, and uh, they were saying how he always smells. Mm. And and he says he cleans every time, but teenage boys just smell. And I think he's right. Yeah, I do. What about this weekend, John? What are you up to? What have we got going on this week? School interviews later this week. Mate, life just revolves around the kids. It really does. It really does. What are you going to hear? Well, okay, give me the prediction. What's going? To, what are you going to hear about both the kids? Um, hard working. Tom's just made it onto the environment committee. Oh wow! I'll ask him. I'll consult with him about whether it's acceptable. <laughs> okay. Yes, I want Tommy. Yep, I want Tommy's opinion. And they try and so and then um, ah, they're all good. Our kid's pretty well behaved, I think, by and large. Yeah. Yeah. What did, what, what did your parents always hear about you? Must try harder. No, no. I was, I was a, I was a fine student, Bevan. Oh, yeah. Fine student. Oh, yeah. What kind of marks associated did you get? with uh, some dodgy people well, at times? We were kicked out of one school. Let's <laughs> just put it that way. Uh, marks were pretty good. Yeah. Had to work pretty hard. Wasn't the sharpest tool in the box, but worked yeah. hard and got pretty decent grades. I didn't work hard and I didn't get decent grades. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't the sharpest tool in the box. My teachers would have said, "Yes, he needs to learn how to focus. <laughs> he needs to learn how to focus. <laughs> Probably needs to shut up a little bit." Hey. I'm just looking at Jan Ferdino. I was just wondering what Jan Ferdino's up to at the moment. I was looking at his Twitter page. Is he training? Of course he is. Mm. Of course he is. Our he friend. nearly got knocked off his bike the other day over in Australia. I think he's doing a lot of indoor training now. What's he doing in Australia? Well, they live there. Huh. Noosa. Him and Emma Snowsall. Oh, I thought he trained in Spain. Well, they live there as well. He's probably got palatial palaces all over the world. That's what happens when you're world champion. We're really just panning now, aren't we? Hmm. Let's wrap it up, John. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.